views expressed on this program are not necessarily those of WTJX, its board, staff, or underwriters. You are listening to Ability Radio. I am one of your hosts, Amelia Hedley-Lamont of the Disability Rights Center of the Virgin Islands. And this morning, we are so privileged to talk with an expert on all the beautiful greenery and, and um, bounty that comes to us here in the U.S. Virgin Islands. His name is Errol Chichester. Good day. Good day, Hi. Mr. Chichester. Hi, good day. How are you? I am doing well. It's a little warm, <laughs> but we're it doing is. well. It is. Um, I'm so pleased and, and thankful that you've agreed to talk to us today. And first of all, I think it's very important because, you know, I, I see you as our resident expert with regard to trees and, and flora and produce and such. How would you self-identify? Botanist? Farmer? I, I'll tell you what. I'm going to correct you off the bat. I know you will. <laughs> I don't like the word expert. Okay. I know some stuff. Okay. A few stuff. Okay. <laughs> and, um, yeah, and but I'm, I'll consider myself a plant enthusiast i love to grow stuff and honestly i don't consider myself a farmer and i don't have a farm i have a tropical fruit orchard um i've always been excited and growing stuff from the time i was like two inches tall mm-hmm. <laughs> and that has never faded i like a challenge in terms of growing stuff and so I, in that respect, I try to grow just about everything. So in my tropical fruit orchard, I have, um, I try to grow just about every tropical fruit. And I just have this fascination with tropical fruits. And I try to include in my fruit orchard just about everything I could put my hand on. And, and I'm always looking for new stuff. So no, I'm not an expert. Okay. I know some stuff. And, I, and the stuff that I know, I always, I'm, a, I'm always willing to share what I know. I mean, you call me, and I will provide you with some assistance. There is no question about that. Right. I can certainly personally attest to that. <laughs> what kinds of things do you grow in your fruit orchard? Um, well, other than the common, regular mangoes and avocados, I have some of the stuff you may or may not hear. I have something called ilama. Mm-hmm. I have rolina. I have rambutan. I'm mm-hmm. giving you the ones that I know you right. haven't heard about. Uh-huh. I have longan. And those are all Asian um, fruit. And um, the most challenging one for me, though, is rambutan. I've tried my hand at several trees, and they have all declined. Mm-hmm. But that's not going to stop me. I'm going to continue until I get langan. I have one langan tree w- at my house, and she has given me fruit. She has given me fruit <laughs> over the past four or five years. But with the severe drought conditions that we experienced in 2015 she has declined significantly mm-hmm. but um i have grown rambutan here on st croix longan grows very easily produces very well um and it's one of my favorite trees too i have about 10 of those trees 10 <laughs> longan so um very very nice fruit it, it bears profusely and um it's easy to grow one of the ones that i haven't tried yet and um, uh, I know of others who have tried, is lychee. Lychee yeah. grows well. The tree grows beautifully. Mm-hmm. However, they don't produce fruit. And I don't, I don't know if it's an elevation thing or if it's a uh, cold weather uh, situation, but I have a friend who has about four 
beautifully growing light lychee, but never a fruit. And that's here in St. Croix? This that's here in St. Croix, yeah. Mm-hmm. Huh, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh. But but in, in the question you asked, getting back to me, I right. I have always grown stuff. I, I um, High school days, I've, I've been growing stuff. I have um, um, gone on to school, studied at the University of Virgin Islands, was then CVI, College of the Virgin Islands, and from there I went into the University of Florida in Gainesville, acquired a degree, came back home, um, graduated, like maybe I think it was June 12th, by June 13th I was back home. You know, <laughs> no, no, I wasn't playing. I understand. <laughs> I was back home, um, and my first employment after returning home was at the University of the Virgin Islands Cooperative Extension Service, where I began as a pest management extension agent. Stayed two years there, went mm-hmm. to the Department of Agriculture for 30 odd years, and I'm now retired. Oh, wow. From the Department of Agriculture. Walked my way up uh, from horticulturist on the way up and um, attained, um, uh, left the department as the Assistant Commissioner of Agriculture under. Mr. Carlos Robles, okay. who was commissioner then. So, and in in those um, positions, it has always been. Mm-hmm. I've always loved to help people. I made it my duty to help. And like I tell, when folks come to me, I say, "Help is my first name. You need some assistance. I'm the person." I know you've schooled me on one thing, and we used to refer to the matter on which plants grow. It's not dirt. It is soil. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. So I, I'll remember that. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, one of the things that I was intrigued by, um, you, you were also or still are a part of the Agricultural and Food Fest every year, correct? Um, no. No? Yes and no. Okay. I still provide some technical assistance, some help, but I resigned from the board in 2019. No, okay. like last year. Okay. Um, so last year was the one of the first years I haven't done the fair. I think I've done the fair. I was a member of the board for maybe 26, 27 years. And um, I thought it was time that someone else um, take the mantle and run with it. So um, I am still helping, providing assistance to the person who is now um, running that program, which is the farmer's market, the director of crop exhibit. Mm-hmm. Um, the food fair board has about 16 members and each member is responsible for a particular area. And I was responsible for the crop exhibit, director of crop exhibit, and I've done it for quite a while. And um, I loved it, but there's, mm-hmm. when it's time to go, it's time to yeah. go. Yeah. I recall there being some kind of conversation. I don't remember who was having that discussion, but how important it is to stay within our own food culture, where there might have been a discussion about, well, why don't we sell pizza or hot dogs or hamburgers at the fair? And yeah. I remember that is yeah. just not, you know. Yeah, um, we at the fair, it's a local, and, and those rules were established back in Rudy Schulter brand time, Rudy Rudolph Schulterbrand, who was one of the commissioners and the Department of Agriculture, mm-hmm. is named the Rudy E. Schulterbrand, Rudolph E. Schulterbrand Agriculture Complex. And, and I, I have issues when folks refer to it as the food fair. I mean, it is only the food fair for three days. Right. The food, uh, President's Day weekend, three days. It's the name of the facilities, the agriculture and food fair grounds. However, 
after that is the Rudy East Shelter Brand Agriculture Complex or the Rudolph East Shelter Brand Agriculture Complex. So I take I really take mm-hmm. issues to that. And most people, when they put in a request to use the grounds of the department, mm-hmm. they talk about the fairgrounds. Well, I it right. is not the fairgrounds. Right. It's only for three days. Okay. No, that's fair. Yeah, but um, so, so the, those rules were established way back when the bylaws of the Agriculture and Food Fair. And we follow that up until now, where we promote and encourage the use, the sale, the consumption of locally grown produce. And um, in the, on the food section, um, we promote local items like mafia and dondesla and locally grown and locally produced items, mabi, ginger beer, and the grounds you cannot consume any alcoholic beverage or um, carbonated beverages. Mm-hmm. Those are two of the items that, that's a no-no on the fairgrounds. Um, no alcoholic beverage cannot be sold and or consumed. And that has been the policy that the Food Fair Board has uh, been guided by for mm-hmm. years up until today. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, that's mm-hmm. good. And the same applies to the foods that are offered. Correct. The foods that are offered, um, they are. Well, let me let me start by saying, the demand for space, for food, at the agriculture and food fair is one of the most sought after, um, um, section. Mm-hmm. We all we have always had more applications that, than what space were available. And what happens, Ms. Brown, who has replaced her mom since her mom died, she, what she would do is collect all applications and pay focus, pay close attention to persons who prepare items that are more native, culturally, uh, um, more, who are, that, are, that is more culturally in nature in terms of the preparation and also in the items so we look at more cultural foods more locally prepared foods as opposed to like you mentioned pizza and those type of stuff right. that's a no-no okay mm-hmm. and that that's for bylaws is, is that correct? Pa, by, pa bylaws yes okay and um so she will go ahead and look at the ones that are more um traditional that that that, that provides and prepares traditional foods and those will be um given priority in terms of a selection. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, she also looks at nonprofit entities and give them a little more um, uh, more focus. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, for example, at the fair, you'll see a lot of churches and stuff uh, as participants and uh, in the food section. So that's what Ms. Brown does in that particular area. Native foods and nonprofit entities um, uh, looked at more favorably. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I guess the Disability Rights Center is very appreciative of those favorable <laughs> considerations. Um, mm-hmm. Now that you are retired, yes. What kinds of things are you into now? What are you What are you doing to keep busy? Busy is good. Yeah. For me, <laughs> okay. And and like I tell folks, I'm still trying to retire. So right now, I do beekeeping. Um. I do bee removal also, and plus I raise bees. Um, I also prov- I, I'm still providing technical assistance for persons, as you know. Yes, I do. 
<laughs> I do go out and, and make house visits and provide technical assistance to persons as it pertains to irrigations and fertilizer and pest management and that type of stuff, all free of charge. <laughs> When I begin to charge, you will be the first one I'll I'm charge. I'm sure. <laughs> um, and then I have a three-acre fruit orchard, as I said, to manage, to maintain. So that takes up most of my time. Um, um, then I also have a three-quarter of an acre of tropical fruit planting that I also maintain. So it, 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 I've got... A lot of things to do as it pertains to management of those two facilities, those two establishments. Now, you mm. said pest management. What kind of pests are we talking about? Yeah, well, we have primarily, mm-hmm. pests comes in different categories. You have weeds are considered pests. You have uh, fungi, you have diseases, and you have insects. Luckily, here in the territory, our major pest concerns are insects insects mm-hmm. uh, we don't have much disease problems um, unlike the United States where they have much more fungal mm-hmm. and disease problems so our problems here are more insect um, in origin and the primary insects that we have around here aphids millibugs white flies and scales mm-hmm. and as small as some of those insects are they could do tremendous damage to plants presently mm-hmm. i have a friend who farms in my particular area in my just in my vicinity he grows watermelon and aphids which is one of the easiest insect to control mm-hmm. just basically wiped him out he did get some harvest mm-hmm. however the crop didn't produce as much as it should and it didn't last as long as it should. And if it's a very, very easy to control, but once they get out of hand, that's it. They multiply overnight. Wow. And they could be very destructive. With the heat now, they, they are very prevalent. They get on greens, collard greens, pak choy, um, kale. If you don't watch it, watermelon. Mm-hmm. They get on there and they could, they could do you in. Uh, one of the... All, uh, other insect that we have now is scale insects. Mm-hmm. Again, the heat um, promotes a lot of these insects. And scale insect gets on sour sap, sugar apple, um, custard apple, and they could cause some decline in growth and also a reduction in yield as it pertains to production. Mm. But... Um, one thing about pests, when you see them, monitor your plants. All right. Catch them early. Address them very early, and you'll, be, you'll, you'll, be, you'll do good. Once you, yeah. One of the things that I've seen is that uh, when you make a recommendation, re- recommendation to persons, they would apply one time and expect to see decline. Well, many of us, we go to doctor and they give us uh, medication and we have to go and get a refill and a refill and a refill. Mm-hmm. It doesn't address the situation immediately. Right. Similarly with plants, you apply, you have to apply more than one, one time to, to be successful in your control mes- methods. Um, so sometimes you may have to make three or four applications before you see any significant uh, decrease in pest population mm-hmm. depending on how high the population was. And 
that's why I always say monitor your plants, catch the pests early so that you will be most successful in your treatment. I recall, and maybe it's no longer the case, there was some sort of fungus problem with citrus plants here. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah, absolutely. Is that still the case? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad Um, I'm asking. um, That is one of the, in my opinion, one of the worst, and that's a disease, Mm -hmm. uh, um, problem that we have experienced in the territory. In the territory, we had just about every type of citrus that you could think about. We had shaddock, um, oranges, grapefruit, tangerine, um, um, chironga, mm-hmm. and present and limes. Mm-hmm. Everyone had limes. When lime was in season, and there are persons who had trees that had that would produce year round, and folks mm. would give away buckets of limes. Wow. Right now, if you could find one person that could give me two or three limes that they produce locally, I'll be very happy. Wow. So about 15, 20 years ago, here comes this pest, this disease called citrus greening or Hong Long Bing or HLB for short, and um, just wiped out 99.9% mm-hmm. of the citrus we had in the territory. Mm-hmm. I used to have beautiful citrus that gave me citrus year wrong. I would have grapefruits and tangerines and limes oh, and man. oranges and and I would give away yeah. tons of fruit. Yeah. Presently, I have three citrus trees and they are none of the above. They are what we call sour orange. Mm-hmm. The sour orange, they are more tolerant to the disease so they produce, they, they, they're infected, they're sick, but they still produce. Mm-hmm. And so those are the three citrus that I have. All my oranges, grapefruit, tangerine, chirong, they all gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, very few persons now have lime that are producing fruits. And lime is a big thing for um, crucians and I guess intomians too in terms of the um, preparation of the culinary dishes right. and that type of stuff. Because everyone, especially with fish, yeah. folks like right. to have the limes uh, available. And um, this citrus greening disease have really done us a disservice by wiping mm. out all citrus in the territory. Presently, Florida and California, they are also going through significant hardship as it pertains to citrus greening. They are, the University of Florida and University of California are working feverishly mm. to try to come up with, some, with a cure. Presently, there is none. And the disease is transmitted by a little insect called an Asian psyllid as almost as small as a sandfly or what we call a mampi. Mm-hmm. And it, once the insect comes, suck the disease plant, it goes to a healthy plant, suck that plant, it transmits the disease immediately. So we have lost 99, as I say, 0.9% of the citrus here in St. Croix. Wow. Wow. It's bad. Oh, boy. Okay. Well, of all the work that you do, what do you enjoy the most? No, I don't know if I understand the question. <laughs> in terms of your actual tasks, there must be something you like as opposed to something that you view as a necessary chore to get you to the next point. Anything that has to do with plants and <clears throat> growing plants, it doesn't matter what stage, whether it is the preparation of the, uh, of the ground 
whether it is the digging a hole, whether it is propagating the plant, once it has to do with plant, it's not an issue for me. I have no problem with that. Mm -hmm. um, it's what I know. It's what I do. Um, I feel good doing plants, and I, I even feel better when I could share information and others could also do the same. And that's why very frequently I take folks to my place so they could see what I'm doing, so they could um, feel in, uh, in a, in a, energized in terms of what I'm doing and, 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 and I at least try to do some of what I'm doing. So I'm always willing to help persons provide information, technical assistance, what could be done, what cannot be done, what sh where you should plant, um, what you shouldn't what you should consider, what you shouldn't consider in terms of um, um, vegetables, fruit trees, herbs, because not all plants could grow in particular areas. Right. And we could do a lot. For example, let me give you a good example, mango. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. A lot of folks like mango. I like the Jakarta mango. You've Jaka made that my Jaka favorite. Jakarta is beautiful. Oh my god. Jakarta gosh. is the best. I don't think I have one, do I? You do. Oh, you, good. you have one now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So so mango, uh, as much as folks like mango, there is mango is not they don't do well on high pH soils, or which we call the calcareous soil. The um but there's there are a couple of varieties that that do well. So things like that, I would folks come to me and say, "Well, I, I live in such and such, and I want a mango." And as much as I would like to help a person, I say, eh, "Please, no, nah, mm -hmm. consider something else." Mm -hmm. um, there are a variety of mangoes. However, there's a variety called Mansana that tolerates caliche soil. So you could plant Mansana mango, and then you could put a more desirable mango, one of your choice. You could have that grafted onto that mansana. Mansana tolerates caliche soil. If you go through um, areas that are high um, in caliche soil and where the pH is high, you would see mansana mango growing. So, what you could do is plant that uh, mansana seed, allow the tree to grow, and then put whatever mango you want on top of that. That's grafting. Can you explain what that is? Okay, very yeah. good. Very good. So, grafting is just a means of propagation. There's several different ways of propagating plants. You could propagate by seeds, which is most common. You could propagate by cuttings. You could propagate by layering. You could propagate by budding. You could propagate by grafting. And simply grafting is just a means of making new plants. And grafting is the process where you take a piece from one plant and attach it onto another plant. Mm -hmm. um, so, but there are a couple of things that need to be, that need to happen. To graft a plant, you don't just take from any and any plant. First of all, you you have to get mango will go on mango mango will not go on avocado okay. avocado would not go on lime so that that's no frankenstein no experiments frankenstein. Okay. So, so that's one and to graft a tree you must first know something about the tree you must know first know the characteristics of the tree the size of the fruit the taste the texture the the, whether or not it's stringy or not. So you don't just go and take a piece of a mango tree and graft onto a mango tree because it named mango. Mm -hmm. You try to get know what the particular characteristics are. And if you, for example, you, you like Jakarta. Mm -hmm. You like Jakarta, so you, that means you know the size, you know the taste, you know the texture. So you would take a piece from that and there's a process where you just make a wedge. And there are different types of grafting techniques, but the most common one is a wedge where you, you will get 
what we call a rootstock, a small tree. Mm-hmm. You would make, cut off the top, make a split down the middle. Mm-hmm. Then you get the um, scion. The scion comes from the piece that you know the characteristics of. And you would make a wedge on that, insert it into the slit, and wrap that rubber band. And, and, and there's a lot going on there. You have to catch them at the right time. And within a week or two, you will have a shoot emerging from the top and um, within um, a year or two, those trees could be bearing fruit because you, you have taken that piece from a mature tree that has produced fruit in the past. So even though you have a tree that may be two or three feet tall, that is not a mature tree because the piece you took from the mature tree has the characteristics of production already. Wow. So and, and one of the benefits of grafting is that you get identical fruit. Of, as a parent plant, the piece that you took the plant from, and you get early production. You also get a plant that is sh- sh- short in stature so that in terms of harvesting, it is easy to harvest the fruit because the, the tree is much smaller. Mm-hmm. The tree doesn't stay small. It starts producing at a much earlier age, but over time, the tree gets taller. Mm-hmm. But um, you get the, 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 the thing here is that you get identical fruit to the parent plant. Planting from seed does not guarantee you that. Wow, okay. Well, we only have a little bit of time left. And you know, as well as I, that the Virgin Islands imports a lot of produce. I would say 90% plus. 90% plus. What do you see as the future of agriculture here in the territory? How can the territory, in your view, be more self-supporting? Or the, the buzzword, sustainable? Yeah, um... One of the things that the St. Croix especially, the Virgin and St. Croix especially have going for it is that we have some good, nice flat land as opposed to St. Thomas and St. John. Right. Um, with the proper services with the, of the Department of Agriculture, and I'm talking about large, large scale here now, mm-hmm. once what is needed is land preparation services. Once the land preparation services is ready, then um, I would say that that's the most important thing in my opinion. Mm-hmm. To get the land prepared, you have water, um, we could grow a lot of stuff. But most of all, most of us could do something of ourselves. We could grow stuff in pots, we could grow stuff in containers, we could grow stuff in boxes. We, I don't, see the department as being the person the entity responsible for the production the farmers have to produce and we as individual homeowners we can make a significant difference in what we grow um you, you'll be surprised what you could grow in a pot mm-hmm. and as a result not have to go to the supermarket to purchase that but i think we all have to do our part whether we are homeowners farmers Department of Agriculture and others, we all need to do our part. But I think it begins with us. We can't just complain, oh, the department is not doing this, oh, the price is so high. We could contribute to reducing that price by growing our own. It's up to us. It's, it's truly it's up, up to us. us. It's well, up to us. I want to thank you for shedding such wonderful information as usual <laughs> and, and getting me a Jakarta mango tree. I do appreciate that. But really, I, I, I salute you for the work that you're doing here in the community. And um, hopefully this won't be the last time we have a conversation. 
I hope not. (laughs) Folks, thank you so much for listening. Have a great weekend. Bye-bye. The views expressed on this program are not necessarily those of WTJX, its board, staff, or underwriters.